The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. This week came to an end. I, I just, it feels like good things overtook bad things as this week went on. The beginning of the week was all about injuries. When was this suspension? That was last week. The beginning of the week was all about injuries and injury replacements and more guys getting injured and then another injury and then a injury during practice. And then the end of this week was really all about like these resurgent old guys and Dudes that can hit threes and dudes that can rebound. It was it was a nice upward trend to the week. Capped off by the Pacific Northwest making all the headlines on Thursday night with the Portland Trailblazers signing Banana Boat, member number three, Carmelo Anthony, to a non-guaranteed contract to play power forward. On a team that has no power forwards, we were all wondering what the hell the Blazers were going to do. Because even from the outset this year, I said, boy, I don't know how the Zach Collins-Hassan-Whiteside front court is going to work. But they were determined to make that fit without anybody that could actually guard a power forward in the mix. And then Collins got hurt, and then they really didn't have anything. They don't, for good reason, want to play Mario Hazonia. And now they don't have to. We'll talk about that in a moment. It's a big Friday show, you know, where it's our weekend preview edition here on Fantasy NBA Today. That's the show you're listening to. This is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com is the website. Go check out the bruise letter. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter with an N. Go there now. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter to get your weekly hoop ball newsletter straight from the fingertips of the great Aaron Bruski, our founder, our creator here of Hoop Ball. He is writing an article every week that tours all 30 NBA teams. It is 10 pages long. It's the longest newsletter I've ever seen, and it's completely free. And again, all you've got to do to sign up is go to hoop-ball.com newsletter, and it is is yours. I am Dan Vespers, your host here on this Friday edition at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Do give me a follow on Twitter, please, if you wouldn't mind. We'll continue our discussions there throughout the day and throughout the weekend. If you are listening to a Friday show for the first time this year, you know kind of uh, the general idea, which is we talk about things that are happening and things that might happen in the future, but we have switched it up a little bit for this season so I guess I, what I should have said is if you have listened before, then uh, this will continue to be what's going on this year. And if you haven't, this is what we do. In the past, Friday's show has had a lot of Q&A stuff mixed in. And that was fun for the people that got to be part of it live. But it was a little bit of a clunky way to throw a weekend podcast together because many of you were like I, don't, like, I don't care what this guy's question is. That doesn't have anything to do with my team. So... We've taken it, and now we've turned this into a spin around the league on Fridays. And what I mean by that is, number one, I have compiled a list, as I am doing every week, of every name from Monday through Thursday that made either my pickup, my drop, my watch list, or my hold list. The criteria for this is a little bit loose, because if you put a, a true shackles on the criteria that different players have to meet to make it into each one of those lists, then eventually you're going to run into some walls. Basically, pickups are guys that I think uh, either should have already been picked up or made it onto the radar this week. And I'll give some explanations on each of them. Drops, kind of the same thing. Guys that have, should have already been on the wire uh, or guys that have moved into that territory this week. I'll break that down as well. Watch list guys are dudes that I'm thinking about picking up but are not there yet. And holds are guys that I assume are already picked up in your league, but maybe had something go either imperfectly for them this week or had a better week, and then there was a bad one before that. Uh, but basically, watch list and hold are kind of the same criteria of guys. Hold is just a little bit ahead because I'm figuring these guys are probably already on a team. 
That'll be the second thing we do on today's show. First thing is we're going to look, obviously, at the Thursday results. And then the last thing is going to be through the weekend. We're going to look at what's going on tonight, Friday evening, Saturday, and Sunday. We're going to look at all of the games upcoming, what we're going to be watching for in those games. And that way, when we do reverse chronological lightning round on Monday, it ties the thread together oh so perfectly. First things first, Thursday. Miami at Cleveland. This game was effectively a blowout until late. The Cavs slowly inched their way back into the ballgame in the fourth quarter. Uh, outshot Miami at the free throw line, 21 attempts to 11, and that's the only reason this game wasn't a complete disaster at the end because Miami was just far more efficient. And this one played out the way that we had kind of envisioned in that Jimmy Butler was solid, as per usual. Five defensive stats in this one, so he's hanging in in that one, even the Cleveland broadcaster was like, he hasn't even broken a sweat in this ball game. He really didn't. He didn't play that hard. <laughs> played hard enough. Uh, Myers Leonard played better than Kelly Olynyk, who picked up some fouls and just was out of sorts. So that's going to be a flip and a flop, which is, I think, a Price is Right game. Um, that eliminates both of them from contention. And then what we had been talking about on the show, which is the log jam, if Tyler Hero... Kendrick Nunn and Goran Dragic are all healthy at the same time. Nunn has the best upside, and he had a really nice game in this one. Hero is probably the second guy on that list because he's going to get in there and he's going to chuck. And he did that in this one in somewhat limited minutes. And then Dragic is the third guy. He might get you a couple more assists, but his percentages are poor. His turnovers are high. He got two steals in that game yesterday, but that's pretty unusual for him. And so he's outside the cut list. Funny thing is, he's the most highly owned of the three. Foolish. This is why people can just roll their fantasy leagues is because people don't actually look at the rankings of their guys. They just look at the last stinking name. And Goran Dragic is outside the top 120. And he's been piling up stats with guys out around him. His big games came with Hero on the shelf, with Winslow on the shelf. You know, it's just not... It's not really sustainable. 47% shooting, probably also not sustainable. The bad free throw is kind of his his thing. I get it. He's actually a really good points league option because his percentages are generally the thing that weighs him down. Points and rebounds and assists are okay. Uh, but Kendrick Nunn's the guy you want. Dragic and Harrow are the guys that are fluctuating on this thing. Nunn is still number 76. So he's very much the in crowd for me. Harrow is on the bubble, and Dragic is basically outside. And those two guys, I think, will flip-flop when everybody's healthy at the same time. And when Justice Winslow comes back, that probably puts a dent into Duncan Robinson, but it's also going to put a dent into everybody. For the Cavaliers, Larry Nance was actually having a really nice ball game with Tristan Thompson in early foul trouble, and then he jammed his thumb again, and it looked like he hurt the hell out of himself. He had three steals, 14-8. and eight. This was like vintage Larry Nance. Points, boards, field goal percent, and steals, and then he hurt himself. So hopefully he'll be okay. We've been preaching the hold on Larry Nance, and he's starting, at least prior to this one where he where he dinged himself, he was actually starting to wake up a little bit. He's number 109, guys. Might have seemed like he's having a horrible season, but he's actually been much better than that because he does those simple things and doesn't hurt you anywhere. So I think you're still holding on. He's been starting to play better. Uh, Jordan Clarkson had a bad one, and he's always going to be sort of right on the edge of someone that should be owned in your fantasy league. I'm probably holding him, um, but if something really interesting pops up, then you know you make the the quick flip. Paul George made his return to the lineup for the Clippers, and he was outstanding in 24 minutes, but always fade a team getting a superstar back because it just ruins communication. Paul George was incredible. I, I would have sat him in his first game back if I had him in any places, and I, that would have been the wrong decision. 33-9-4, great shooting, great free throw numbers, no defensive stats for him. That'll obviously level off over time, uh, but that's pretty good. Very high-scoring game against the Pels, who play no defense and love to run. This uh, No, it's not going to be this perfect every night, and then Kawhi will be back, so I'll have to figure that stuff out. But whatever it is, uh, it's a good sign for the Clips. And if you're into Rodney Magruder, you and I are different people. Nope. Drew Holiday starting to wake up. So long by low window. 36, 4, 7, 5 three-pointers, 6 steals, and a block. Woof. Derek Favors 2020 game with a block. 
Hello, Derek. It's good to have you back. I figured this was going to be a good one. I think I said that on yesterday's pod. This is great matchup because they're going to need him against Montrez Harrell, and he just devoured the Clippers. Pelicans out-rebounded the Clips 52-37, to, to 37, and a lot of that was favors. And Kenny Hustle. Um, he's not a guy I'm leaping at right now. I, we don't know how long Brandon Ingram's out, and he's going to put a huge dent into him. Ingram's going to put a dent into everybody because he was taking 25 shots a game. So he'll hurt Holiday. He'll hurt Frank Jackson. He'll hurt J.J. Redick. He might knock Redick back out of being useful again. J.J. is useful when he's getting shots up, and he was. They ran a bunch of plays for him. Maybe that continues. I hope it does. I'm not completely convinced it does, but you're certainly not preemptively dropping him for any reason. I have him someplace. Where the hell do I? I got him in one league. I think I used him tonight. Must have been in my lineup, right? I wouldn't have benched him. That would have been foolhardy. Yeah, I got him in there. Good for me. Um, Frank Jackson, no, you're not picking him up either. Etwan Moore, no, no. Uh, but Derek Favors looks great all of a sudden. He looks healthier. He looks like he's got his win back, and uh, you're trotting him out there every game because certainly until Zion comes back, he's going to be playing good minutes, and he's going to be camped out near the paint. After Zion comes back, yeah, there, I think there will be a dent put into that one, but I also think that someone like Jackson Hayes loses his 13 minutes before Favors loses 13. Dallas 103, New York 106. Incredible. The Knicks swept the season series from the Mavericks. I hope that this is not a sign of a hole in the Mavericks game, but it's the same thing that happened last time these two teams played, and that was all Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, and everybody else was just like, nah, we're not going to bother tonight. And I don't know if that was by design for the Knicks. They said, you know, we're going to let the big guys try to beat us by themselves. But whatever it was, it worked again. Marcus Morris had an inefficient 20, but he did hit five threes and had a steal and a block, so you're not going to argue with it. Mitchell Robinson came back from his concussion at 16-8 and eight with a block and fouled out in 22 minutes. Dennis Smith Jr. outplayed Frank Nilakina, and that's going to be a disaster, and it'll be even worse if Alfred Payton ever comes back. And Julius Randle showed signs of not ruining your night and then ultimately ruined your night. With 17-10, and 10, three assists, a three-pointer, and six turnovers and eight out of 18 shooting. Get it together, Julius. This is ridiculous. Chicago hung uh, kind of hanging in there with the Bucks for a while and then eventually fell off the map. Zach Levine was good. Kobe White was very good. Tomas Sadoransky was good, which is an interesting development. Uh, Lowry Markinen was not very good. Wendell Carter Jr. was meh. They went very small in this game. That young guy, 25 minutes. Carter Jr. only had 21. They really didn't roll with a center for long stretches against the Bucks. Just tried to run them, and that cost Brooke Lopez any playing time on the floor. Kobe White, um, yeah, I mean, he's to me, he's more of a watch list guy because like, he's playing, he's playing good ball, and maybe he gets in there and chucks like this every game, takes 23 shots. I just... With Otto Porter eventually going to come back and Markinen not involved in the offense, I can't imagine the Bulls went back to the drawing board and they were like, yes, uh, Kobe, you and Zach Levine take 43 of our 90 shots. Nobody else needs to bother. It'll fluctuate. Basically what I'm saying is it'll fluctuate. As it stands right now, he's been uh, intermittently a very useful fantasy player and intermittently a very bad one. You guys might not believe this, but Kobe White is ranked outside the top 200 in nine-category leagues because his percentages have been barf-worthy. 37 from the field, 74 at the line, and no defensive stats prior to this last ball game. basically. He's had two good ones in a row, and that's floating him right now, so it was even worse. So feel free, roll the dice, but if it goes bad, it goes bad, and it goes bad hard. On the Bucks side, things are as you probably expected with Giannis and Eric Bledsoe going bonkers with no Chris Middleton and that'll be the case for a little bit what we were watching for was to see if anybody else took a little step forward now looking at the minute total the first guy that I tweeted about George Hill had a crummy game but he did play 29 minutes and was actually a team best plus 16 does that hold I I don't know I don't know he was the guy I thought would do more but as it turned out, he just played more and didn't actually do any more. Wesley Matthews got a bunch of free throws in this game, which was sort of a weird twist on the huge. Uh, but he only played 27 minutes, so it didn't seem like that number changed a bunch. And then other people were asking about Sterling Brown, and I said, 
that was a wait and see guy, and uh, we waited and we did not see. So the guys you're watching there are George Hill and Wesley Matthews. It it seems. And I don't know that either one of them is necessarily a must-own guy. We'll see if they can get something going. We'll see if they have any other contributions besides Bloodso and Giannis and then, you know, intermittently Brooke Lopez with some threes and block some shots. But just in terms of scoring, can George Hill take a few shots? Maybe, maybe not. Will Wesley Matthews hit a couple of threes a game? Then maybe that gets him onto the radar. Atlanta at Phoenix, the poor Hawks, man. I, they They got worse year over year, I think. And then they also lost John Collins to a long suspension, so they're in a tough spot right now because Trey Young is playing well, and he carried them to that win in Denver. But it's really hard to do it by yourself. It really is. Um, Jabari Parker had 24-7. and He's going to continue to be a really nice uh, short-term pickup here while Collins is out. Medium-term, I guess. DeAndre Hunter finally had a good game, 14 points, 6 steals, but he's been incredibly unpredictable, and you're not buying into that. The interesting names I thought in this ballgame were Alex Len and Damian Jones, who split the center minutes for the most part, with Len at 21 and 10, but we're not buying into that. We will not. He's going to get picked up in a few spots, but it's a, not a great idea. And then Damian Jones, who had 14 and 8 with two steals and a block. And overall, aside from his five turnovers, which is a weird number for a big man in only 19 minutes, his other stuff looked pretty good. And it sort of makes you wonder if they want to try to sort of jam the marshmallow through the keyhole here with him and get him into the lineup. And uh, I don't know is the answer. I really don't know. We're just, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. Kevin Herter is out now with the shoulder deal, so we'll wait and see how long that's going to be. But if Damian Jones can make a, a little bit of a step forward, they really could use someone to grab those center minutes, and that someone shouldn't at least be Alex Len, although, again, he did have a decent scoring game. His problem is always percentages. They're usually horrible. His turnovers are usually pretty high. We know enough about Alex Len at this point to say, no thank you. Kelly Oubre bounced back with a 30-burger. Uh, Dario Saric has had a couple good ones in a row, and he's just sort of dangling right at the end of fantasy value. And then Frank Kaminsky had one of his little wake-up games. But overall, this was a blowout. Some guys had better games. Aaron Baines had a slow one. Mikhail Bridges is off the radar. We, we kept an eye on him for a couple games there, but he's he's not worth it. Uh, Brooklyn lost in Denver. They were able to hang in there until the end in this thing. And for the Nuggets, it's sort of another slow, plodding, a little bit lucky win. Both teams only had seven turnovers in this game, and it still went to 194 points. That's crazy low. Torian Prince was fine. He didn't shoot the ball well. Spencer Dinwiddie was okay. He also didn't shoot the ball well. DeAndre Jordan had 11 rebounds and nothing else. Jared Allen played much better in this ballgame, but they keep alternating. And then Kyrie Irving was fine, but not great. And as expected, he's not the number one guy in fantasy anymore. Uh, guy that I'm surprised about, I thought Joe Harris would do more. Um, but again, you know, you play Denver Nuggets, it's going to be a half-court game. They're going to try to take it to a slower tempo. And it's not a great team to throw guys into lineups against. It didn't change much of what I was feeling on the Brooklyn side. I still don't like Dinwiddie's percentages. I still like I feel like Torian Prince is above the cut line. The centers are pissing me off. Jared Allen is the one of the two I'd rather have, but I don't really want either of them. And then Joe Harris is the one that's been generally above the cut line as well with Prince that had a slow ball game here. So nothing really changed for me on that Brooklyn side. And for Denver, it's the, the usual story. It was nice to see Gary Harris finally do something with the minutes he had in a ball game for basically the first time all year. I, you guys know I love my nine-cat sort of boring guys, but Gary Harris had been sitting like around 160 while just playing 32 minutes and doing nothing every game. He's actually had two okay ball games in a row with some defensive stats, two steals and a block in two games in a row, two three-pointers in two games in a row. I don't know if that's him getting a little bit more engaged or just playing an Atlanta defense that woke him up a little bit, but it's a good sign for a guy that I basically said was, I mean, this is kind of a luxury hold. He was an end-of-your-bench dude just because he was playing enough minutes where you thought maybe some point down the line, uh, maybe this is the start of something, and maybe it'll just be all five starters for the Nuggets going forward. Jamal Murray was terrible, by the way. You guys know I'm not a big Jamal Murray guy consistently underperforming in fantasy, but he's doing fine this year. He's like right on where he was drafted, so that's fine. There's no problem there. Great, field, great free throw, low field goal, 
Um, and then, you know, okay other stuff. He's just a he's a mid-round guard. That's fine. Not my kind of guy, but fine. You know, that's okay. Paul Millsap was okay. Missed some free throws, uh, but otherwise the, the other stuff was about the same. Will Barton's been pretty good lately. And uh, Jeremy Grant finally got to do something, which probably won't stick. So that was your uh, Thursday recap, and now what I'd like to do is in reminding all of you guys to sign up for the Bruise Letter at hoop-ball.com slash newsletter, and reminding you all to follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, we're going to transition into my mega weekly breakdown review type deal, which is the worst heading for a section of a podcast in recorded history, but we're diving into it anyway. Everything that happened Monday through Thursday, effectively, I looked through every single box score for names that jumped out for some reason, and I put them in the one of these four buckets. Pickups, drops, watch lists, or holds. And obviously it's not, uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, it's sort of not set in stone with all of these really mean, but I'll try to explain myself where necessary. Again, by the way, signing up for that newsletter, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. My Twitter handle, Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We're going to start with the pickups that I found over the course of this week. And these are in no particular order. It was just me going through games chronologically, and so names jumped out. Uh, the first name I wanted to talk about was Jordan Clarkson, who has alternated between basically being a pickup and a drop over the course of all three weeks and a half weeks of this season. He's sitting at 15-2-2 with a little under a steal. And right now, what we're seeing from him over the last week or so is the steals and blocks finally leveling off. Those were needlessly high. And when I say needlessly, I mean they were great, but they weren't going to stick. He's never been a guy that got many steals or blocks, and certainly with his minutes down season over season, there was no reason to think that stuff would actually go up for him, and it hasn't. His free throw percentage is really good right now. That'll probably come down a tiny bit. His field goal percentage is really bad right now, and that'll probably come up a tiny bit. So call that a wash. Everything else stays about the same. 15 points, two boards, a little over. Maybe he'll get up to two and a half assists, depending on how the minutes shake out. Low turnovers and low defensive stats. He is the prototypical last guy on your bench. I'm calling him a pickup because I do think there are a lot of formats where that makes sense. 12-teamers where you're 15 deep, you know, where whatever that comes out to be, 180 players are rostered. I mean, a guy sitting in that 115 range, which is where he'll probably end up, is is a reasonable guy to have on your team. He's not a must-start guy, but I do think he belongs on a roster. Wesley Matthews, who we talked about just a moment ago, I do think that he has three weeks here with Chris Middleton out of rosterable top 100 value. It's not super exciting, and if somebody else could easily come along that has upside that sort of blows him out of your, your roster space, but if again, if you're looking for that end-of-bench guy and maybe you've got a few injuries, so your 15th, 14th, 13th guys are not worth using right now, Wesley Matthews is kind of be your 11th or 12th guy and rotate him in and uh, in a games cap format or even unlimited format, he's above the cut line in medium-sized 12-teamers. But not exciting at all. I put Dylan Brooks on the list, uh, even though he's been sort of talked about on and off of rosters for the better part of two weeks now because he's going to be incredibly inconsistent. And that's where we sit on Dylan Brooks. Nobody's really coming to take his playing time, which is kind of cool for his sake. He has a better fantasy game than Jordan Clarkson does because they're averaging about the same number of points. But Brooks is going to be the guy that gets you more defensive stats. So that's worth monitoring. The scoring side will be relatively similar. The threes will be relatively similar. And I think you probably give Brooks the slight edge in rebounding. He's just a little bit of a bigger guy. He's also on a team where sometimes they're just going to need him to score. His, so his minutes are higher. He's up at 27 a game, where Clarkson is down at 23, 24. Uh, so that makes all the difference. So, you know, we're already getting into a guy. To me, you know, he's not owned in all of the leagues that I'm in, even though he's ranked number 98. You know, he's a double-digit guy. Double-digit guys in a standard 12-team league should be on a roster. That's one cut above Streamer. Streamer is like that 115 to 130 range, at least for my leagues. And, and maybe that's the same with yours. Maybe yours are a little bit less competitive, and that's fine. So you move that, that, that window a little bit earlier. But I still feel that anybody who's ranked inside the top 100 should be on a roster. Don't you guys feel that way? Anyway, he's there. And it's not because he had, you know, 
giant, giant games to float it. His giant game was back on the 6th of November, and then he had two bad ones, and now he's had two decent ones. Pretty good one uh, against the Spurs, and then a fine one against the uh, Charlotte Hornets. But the thing that's nice about him is the minutes are there, the shots are there, so it's pretty reliable that he's going to get to his whatever Clarkson-level points. But the fact that the minutes are a little higher means that he can sort of fall into an extra rebound, and he can fall into a steal, where... For Clarkson, he's got to get him quick because he's getting in and out of that thing. There are games where he's only going to play 19, 20 minutes. He'll still get his shots up, but the other stuff just might not come. So uh, Brooks over Clarkson for me, as long as we're talking about these sort of you know, end of end of roster type of guys, uh, Clarkson might be your 11th man, and then Brooks might be more like your 10th man. There's a place. I mean, I feel like I got to keep dialing it back. There's a place on your roster for both of these guys. Um, but what is that? You know, what is that place? It depends what your team actually needs. Moving right along to the next name on the pickup list. I know this one's going to get long on you. As Terrence Ross, who uh, minutes have ramped up hard since he came back from his knee situation. He looked good in his last ball game, and we'll get some more information on him uh, coming up here. I think tonight. Yeah, they play the Spurs tonight. So that's a nice sign, and he actually, to me, falls more in the Dylan Brooks range of a guy that very could ease, could very easily get inside the top 100. You know, you're going to have to block out those first few games of the year. He was shooting the ball horribly. He wasn't healthy. But if he can keep going the way he has the last couple of games with threes and steals, he becomes sort of a two-category specialist, like last year, which is enough to get you inside the top 100 because he's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to shoot the free throw nicely. The only problem with him is he doesn't rebound. You know, it's two or three a game. It's, that's more in that Clarkson range. And he doesn't pass. One assist per game. I don't think that's moving very much. So, again, you're talking about a Dylan Brooks range guy. Sort of the 95 to 100 zone. 95 to 105. But, again, that guy deserves a spot on a team. I wanted to throw Isaiah Thomas back on the list. Not because he wasn't owned in your league. Because, you know, we've, we've been yelling about having him on a roster for... Uh, basically since the first game he played. Uh, he's only 54% owned right now, and it's probably because he had a couple of games as a starter where he didn't look that comfortable playing with the unit that matters. But he's come back now in the last two to play very heavy minutes, and that's all I care about because we know he's not going to get iced out when he's actually on the floor playing minutes. 29 and 33 minutes in his last two ball games. Those are his two highest marks of the season, and they've come in back-to-back days. So he set a personal best on the 8th, and then after they didn't play for almost a week, they, he set another personal best two days ago against his former team. So that may have had a little bit of a, a, a factor in it. But regardless, the 29 against Cleveland, that had nothing to do with massive revenge. I know he played for the Cavs briefly, but I mean, that's not a thing anymore. That was a LeBron era thing. It was, it just didn't work. He had 11 and five in the first one. He had 18 and seven in the second one. The simple fact is he's going to get his looks. This looks more like the Isaiah that started coming off the bench. He's aggressive. He's not going to get you defensive stats. If you're looking for that, you're in the wrong place, but he's going to get you some threes. He's going to score. He's going to assist. And he's a brilliant free throw shooter. If we could get him to the line more than one time per game, even if we up that from one to two free throws per game, his value skyrockets quickly. So there's obviously downsides with IT. He could hurt you in a big way in field goal percent. Although so far this year, he looks more like the old field goal percent number. Uh, he's not going to get you steals or blocks. Even when he was playing 30-something minutes a game, he was still sitting in that, like, .9 range. And I don't think he's going to get to 33 minutes a game this year. So you're probably looking at .6. When everything settles in, .5 to .7 is probably the range. He's not going to block any shots. So he does have one this year. He has two. But, you know, that was strip on the way up. Maybe he'll put his chin into another one and, and we'll get lucky. I doubt it. Uh, so, you know, don't expect the defensive stats to do a whole lot, but I, I do think that the 14 points could actually move up a tiny bit. I love the six assists per game. That looks great. And then if you put that in, the reason that other 
point guards that are drafted late that average about 14 and 6 don't make it onto the radar is because they have some sort of massive glaring hole. And for Isaiah Thomas, the defensive side is that glaring hole, but the other stuff has too much upside to to pass on it. So he makes way too much sense, and I love what we've seen lately with his minutes trending up in a big way. Uh, I put Ennis Cantor on this list, even though he is also likely owned in your league, 62% owned in Yahoo, but, you know, he came back, and so flip him on the list just to talk about him for a second. Chris Boucher is on the list because he looks very interesting. His energy is through the roof, but we should also be aware that he is someone who's never really played at the NBA level, so it's going to be a little bit hit or miss at times. He had two points and seven rebounds with nothing else in their game against Portland after having two really nice games against the Clippers and the Lakers, where he averaged 14 points and two and a half blocks and two three-pointers in that stretch. So it's tough to say exactly what Boucher you're going to get on a night-to-night basis. He belongs on pretty much all standard 12-team leagues for his upside in defensive stats and the ability to go get some hustle stuff and probably shoot a good percentage because he's just running around and trying to dunk on people. But again, be aware that nothing is perfect. Okay? Don't expect too much. Rodney Hood is on my pickup list. And this one I think is pretty straightforward. I mean, before he had those two semi-hurt games, he was coasting along at like a top 85 clip. So he belongs on your team. Nice three-pointers. He's going to get some steals now that he's on the floor for 30 minutes a game. Again, when you play that much, you're just going to fall into stuff. I am worried about what Carmelo Anthony might do to everybody on that team, but I'm not going to put any stock into it until we actually see what's happening uh two sacramento kings here to kind of round out the pickup list bogdan bogdanovich who i i'm just gonna say the same thing i say every podcast about him now you guys know i hate his fantasy game but with no De'Aaron fox he's an absolute must own must start guy because he's their basically their primary ball handler now because Corey joseph isn't going to do anything with it so yeah obviously uh and nemanja bialica is the other one who uh, you know i've been mentioning since bagley went down he's going to be good for that stretch Bagley will be back at some point in the next few weeks, and then Bielitsa goes back to being a pumpkin, but for now, he has a fantastic fantasy game. He is like a Michelin tire on legs, but he racks up all sorts of stuff across the board. Field goal percent, free throw percent, threes, some points, some rebounds, some assists, some steals, some blocks, no turnovers. He's your 9-cat guy right now, and so you got to be using him until the, you know, the the little piece of the cliff that the, the, the Wiley Coyote until he looks down and then... That's Bagley. I also put Carmelo Anthony on this list because I felt like we needed to talk about him on today's show. I probably should have just done it right at the outset, kind of burying the lead a little bit. But Carmelo Anthony is now a member of the Portland Trailblazers on a non-guaranteed contract. And what does that even mean? Well, it means that he's going to get an opportunity to prove himself because people want to say, well, non-guaranteed means they don't have to play him. If they weren't going to play him, they wouldn't have signed him. Portland has no depth at power forward. We talked about this going into the season, and then they lost Zach Collins. And so now they have Carmelo Anthony. He's a points league option, basically. You're going to see him get picked up in a lot of category leagues, and then you're going to see him get dropped in a lot of category leagues. Because if you look at what he had done late in his career, he's a very low-efficiency scoring rebounding. Other guys like that are out there. Yeah, it makes sense in a points league format where you don't need someone to be good in multiple categories to be relevant. He could somehow find his way to like 14 points and six boards on a night-to-night basis. Absolutely, because the little guys aren't great at rebounding. I guess Dame is okay from the point guard spot. Uh, They don't want to play Hassan Whiteside 35 minutes a night. So they're going to need somebody to go in there and grab a few, and Melo's a big guy. So the rebounds could be something. And he'll get a couple of points because he's mellow and because there's Dame and McCollum and guys that can maybe get him a little bit open. And he'll take shots even if he's not open. But he's terrible in defensive stats. He doesn't really pass the ball. His field goal percent is god-awful. He doesn't hit that many threes. He's going to turn the ball over too many times for someone who's doing as little as he is. This is a guy that sat near the top 200 the last time he played actual competitive basketball. So don't expect much, guys. I know that Portland has a gaping hole at power forward, but they're not going to run Melo out there for 35 minutes a game. You're looking at 20-something, and you're probably looking at bench minutes to come in, provide a little scoring pop when Dame or CJ goes out, just to try to bridge the gap so their second unit doesn't have you know a goose egg for four or five minutes in a row. 
you know, he's a guy that can sort of get his own shot. He can get into the post and go take a bucket if things totally break down. So the expectations have to be very low for Melo. If he exceeds them, fantastic. I did pick him up in a points league just to see what would happen. Uh, but elsewhere, I'm really not excited about it at all. And those are the pickups. I think we can move through the drops, the watch list, and the hold guys a little bit quicker. And let's let's get started on him. Goran Dragic is a drop for me. And I know that a lot of people are going to disagree with that one because he's sitting sort of just outside that streamer range at top 125. But the Heat have been banged up. His numbers are being floated by the fact that Tyler Harrow has been out for a couple of games. And then before that, you know, Justice Winslow missed some time. And basically... All three of the guys I've talked about as the logjam guys in Miami have really not been on the floor at the same time very often. And when they are, they kind of alternate who's successful, Dragic and Harrow in particular. So I'm just not, I'm not going to deal with it. Uh, I think Maxi Kleba is a drop. I, you know, he has a, he has a nice potential fantasy game and he had a few decent ones in a row. But boy, when it turns ugly, it turns ugly fast. Zero points, four boards against the Knicks in that last one. No threes, no defensive stats. You just need a guy that's going to be on the floor and doing stuff when he's out there. And there's no guarantee of either of those. But he's not that far away. Okay, so he's a drop right now, but you can sort of drop him onto the watch list. Frank Nilekina is a drop because the Knicks are starting to get their point guards back. Dennis Smith Jr. is back. Alfred Payton's probably not that far away. That's going to create a logjam. I already talked about Spencer Dinwiddie earlier in the show. I don't like his percentages. Even with Karis Levert out, I'm just not into Dinwiddie's stuff. He's number 171. That's not worth putting on your team. Jay Crowder's a drop. He's out there plenty of time to do stuff, but he's just not going to. He's number 124, and, you know, some of his stuff feels like it's probably not going to maintain the high rebounds, the the 1.7 combined defensive stats. His percentages are horrible, so he's hurting you there. There's a universe where maybe he decides to do a little bit more, but on this team... He's the just play a ton of minutes and keep the young kids from going nuts. Drop. Markel Fultz, drop. Please stop trying to convince me he's going to suddenly play 30 minutes. He's getting outplayed by DJ Augustine every other game. Troy Brown Jr. on Washington. Uh, his, he just, his game doesn't translate to fantasy. He's a good ball player. He helps them when he's on the floor, but his minutes are inconsistent and his usage is non-existent. Eric Gordon was probably a drop before he got hurt, but now that he's out for six weeks, he's a drop. Derek White is a drop for me. We're just I'm just staring at this team and wondering when they're going to make that switch. When they do, be ready. He goes quickly from drop to pickup. This is one of the ones where you're like, well, I, maybe I could just stuff him at the end of my bench, but it could be three months. You could miss 10 great pickups by just waiting and waiting and waiting, so I'm bailing out early as I did last week. All the other Warriors besides Draymond Green and D'Angelo Russell, this is what I've been saying for a week and a half. I don't trust these guys. You know, I said Eric Pascal was probably okay while Draymond was out, and then Dre came back, and then it was Burks for two days, and then it was Glenn Robinson. You can't trust them, man. They're going to alternate, and so I want nothing to do with it because I don't want to throw one of these guys in when they blow a games cap doing nothing. Danny Green is a drop. There's not enough in L.A. for him to keep his value afloat. And for the Blazers, now with Rodney Hood back, Kent Bazemore and Anthony Simons are both drops as well. On the watch list, Kenrick Williams is on my watch list in case Brandon Ingram's injury turns out to be more serious than it looks. It doesn't right now. Dennis Smith Jr. is not on my watch list. I put him on this part so that I could mention that I don't care about him. Same with Alex Len. They're both guys that might be on other people's watch lists, but I'm telling you definitively, they are not on ours. Kobe White's on my watch list, said it earlier in the show. Um, there are parts of his game that are severely lacking right now, and there's some good stuff. We saw it the last two, but not quite there for me yet. And then Damian Jones, who I mentioned earlier in the show as well, uh, not on the floor enough right now, but if his minutes trend up into the mid-20s, he could have that sort of Kevon Looney-type stat set, and that would be worth using. A couple of guys that didn't play yesterday. Nick Batum, we've heard, is expected to come back in the next uh, three to four games for the Charlotte Hornets. I don't think he's going to do anything, but I don't know for sure because I really don't know if that team might just decide, hey, we need one veteran on the floor to keep things from spiraling. And he played 11 minutes in the season opener and didn't take a shot before he got hurt. So that does not exactly augur well for Batum, but keep one eye on him. He's definitely not a pickup yet. He's a guy that you're just like, okay, let's see what he does. 
Uh, Jared Culver is on the watch list because he still played well, even with Jeff Teague back. I do think those minutes start to tip back in the wrong direction for him. But, you know, he could get some assists. He could get you a few rebounds. You know, he's not a bad... He's a pretty damn good ball handler from that shooting guard small forward spot. But he's sort of behind Andrew Wiggins in that wing ball handler pecking order. So he's 10% owned, but I don't fully know why. He's very much a watch list guy. JaVale McGee is on the watch list. I'm seeing him getting picked up in a lot of places, but it's almost like people forgot that Anthony Davis didn't play in that last ball game. His minutes are getting split with Dwight Howard. AD's getting 12 center minutes, so those two guys are getting somewhere around 18 apiece, and that's not quite enough. If he could clear 20, it would be, but it doesn't look like that's in the cards. Norman Powell is on my watch list. I picked him up and dropped him right after the injuries. It just doesn't look like his stat set is going to support ownership long-term at least while we wait on Lowry, who expected to be back sooner than I thought the uh, the number would be. And then Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who's actually kind of the more interesting of those guys, he looks locked in with Toronto after kind of getting called out going into the season for being a little out of shape and not focused on defense. And he looks really good. He could actually jump Chris Boucher in the pecking order here to kind of to take over for Serge Ibaka. And with OG Ananobi out, it creates even more opportunity for he and uh, Terrence Davis, who's not even on my list. And here are the guys that are holds, which is kind of similar bucket to watch list, but they're probably on a roster already, and maybe they did something good or bad. Kendrick Nunn is a hold. Obviously, he had a good ball game last time out, but uh, you know, I think we were we want, we talked about the Heat a bunch of times. He's the one that's a cut above the other guys. I'm actually putting Tyler Harrow in the hold department just to see what happens, but he could very easily move over to the drop list as well. Larry Nance Jr. is a hold, despite the thumb injury. He was starting to come on. The steal rate was getting back to his career mark. J.J. Reddick's a hold to see what happens when the team starts to get healthy again. Derek Favors, I should have put him in the pickup list because a lot of you guys dropped him, but he was a hold because I kept saying, we got to hold on, we got to hold on, and now it seems smart. Bryn Forbes is falling. He's a hold right now, but he could very easily hit the drop list. And then Willie Cauley-Stein and Derek Rose are a couple of holds at the end of this one. Uh, I think Willie Cauley is going to start doing more, especially as Draymond starts to take more games off later in the season. And then Derrick Rose, who's probably just sitting out back-to-backs at this point, is still a hold. Even with Blake back, I think there's going to be enough for him to be relevant. And he was passing the ball well, too. So the key is getting him out there when he can run the offense, and uh, that'll certainly improve his game. So that's our weekend review segment of the podcast. And I will again remind everybody to sign up for the Bruise Letter at hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. I will also tell everyone we continue to look for new podcasters here at HoopBall. Hit me up if you're interested in either covering a team, getting involved on the fantasy podcast side. We need contributors. This is not a full-time gig, so don't get it twisted. But if you want to come on over, help us grow. Help us learn. You can learn from uh, some of the best. The best. Hit me up at Dan Baspris or send an email to teamhoopball at hoopdashball.com. And now let's take a look at what's coming up over the weekend. That's the last segment here on today's show. We will, of course, start with the Friday card tonight. Eight games on the docket. Detroit is at Charlotte. We assume the Pistons are going to have their full complement of players, and Blake Griffin's minutes will slowly ramp up, so this will be perhaps a slightly better indicator of what to expect from Detroit going forward. I don't know they need to watch every second of this game, but it couldn't hurt kind of see how the rotations look. When does Derrick Rose run the offense? When is Blake running the offense? Uh, what does Luke Kennard get to do as everybody else gets healthy? Charlotte, I'm not that interested in. San Antonio at Orlando. Obviously, we always want to know what the hell's going on with the Spurs because they've been bad so far this year. Washington, Minnesota. This should be a fun, high-scoring game, if nothing else. Not a whole lot of stuff that we need to check in on because, you know, it looks like IT's settling in, and that was the main watch guy in Washington. Utah at Memphis. Grizzlies have been playing better lately. Young guys starting to uh, put a few pieces together, but I think we have a pretty good handle on both of those teams. Same deal with Philly and OKC. Indiana-Houston, we'll have to wait and see who's actually healthy enough to go for the Rockets. Daniel House is questionable for this ballgame. Actually, might even be doubtful still. Uh, Indiana, it sounds like no Miles Turner yet, no Jeremy Lamb yet. They have a back-to-back, so maybe we see them tomorrow. That would be nice. Sacramento is in L.A. to take on the Lakers. Again, I think we have a pretty good idea of what to expect from these two teams. And then Boston-Golden State, we're always watching the center position in Boston now. And with the Warriors... 
It's really, and can anyone else get consistent? The threat of consistency. So we're in one of those little windows, guys. Before I even get into the gambling stuff or the other games over the course of the weekend, I think it's worth mentioning. These happen, and I think I said this two days ago as well. These happen during the NBA season. We sort of had this first three-week blitz where lots of weird names popped up. Great pickups emerged at the beginning of the year. Devontae Graham, one of the best pickups that'll probably be one of the best pickups all season because he's cruising along these days at uh, top 75 mark. Tristan Thompson, he might end up being the pickup of the year. He's number 45 in 9-cat. That stuff happens at the beginning of the year where there are really high-level pickups that just we didn't ever think were coming on draft day. Everybody missed it. It happens every year. After those first two and a half or so weeks, things settle down a little bit. Yeah, you have injury replacements. That's going to be stuff that comes and goes throughout the season all the time. But from a, hey, is there anybody out there getting minutes that we just didn't see coming? Not really. So we're in one of those pockets now where your best work is going to be making sure you start your best guys and work on some trades. Figure out where your team is weak. Maybe you can maybe you can shore some stuff up. Right now, your time should not be spent quite as intensely on the pickups and drops. And you just heard that that comprehensive list. None of those guys really on the pickup side have either a combination of long-term appeal and a high watermark. Maybe IT. But that's about it. The rest of those guys are either short-term blitz guys, like Nemanja Bializzo is going to be good for a couple more weeks, or... They are longer-term guys with lower ceiling. Like Rodney Hood. You know, maybe you got a top 90 type guy in a good scenario. It's that. It's one of those times. And and we'll come in and out of these. This is There's an ebb and a flow to things where, you know, we'll see some guys push for more playing time in another couple of weeks. And then there will be another wave of interesting pickups. And, we, you know, we're going to go back and forth on this all season long. So always be ready for the tide to come in or the tide to go out. But right now, it's low tide. The tide is out. The pickups are not there at the moment. But people in your league are going to continue to flip guys on and off their roster. So as I said on Wednesday, be ready for someone else in your league to drop somebody they shouldn't have because they just get itchy, think someone out there right now is going to be a top 50 dude that's just not, and they drop someone who has, well, a higher potential than the guy they pick up. And you can be ready to swoop in and grab it. So that's number one. Be ready to grab other people's mistakes. And number two is spend some time looking at your team, figuring out strengths and weaknesses. I would advise setting up a sheet that tracks the average output of your team because on a day-to-day basis, you may have more or less games played than your opponent or in Roto, all of your opponents. So track averages, figure out where you can make jumps, where you have some extra stuff to give up, and figure out what the ROI is there before crafting some trades. From a betting standpoint on this Friday card, Detroit is favored by three and a half on the road. Orlando, three and a half at home. Minnesota's a seven-point favorite hosting the Wizards. Utah by seven and a half on the road. Philly is also a three and a half-point favorite. That's a favorite number today. Houston by five and a half. Lakers by ten and a half. And the Celtics seven and a half on the road at Golden State. We have but one revenge game on the docket this evening. And <laughs> amazingly, it's Washington, Minnesota. Wouldn't have been the one I would have guessed. I would have thought something maybe in conference, but nope. Uh, Minnesota actually played in Washington a couple weeks ago. They beat them by 22 on the road. And so if you're into that sort of thing, I am. Uh, Washington catching seven at Minnesota is a pretty good one. Uh, Timberwolves have won a couple of nice ball games in a row. And this one has letdown written all over it. Wolves have actually uh, beat Detroit on the road. They beat San Antonio at home. They almost beat Denver. So they've been playing pretty well. Numbers probably a tiny bit inflated for them right now. Uh, the Wizards are not that awful. I mean, they're they're awful, but they at least make it fun. And with their offense, they've been able to stay somewhat competitive in recent ballgames. So I like the team catching seven points that one. I love the 242-point total. Holy hell. Maybe watch that game. That could be a fun one. Saturday, Brooklyn's at Chicago. Don't really care about Brooklyn, but obviously always interested in the point guard stuff in Chicago. Can Kobe White see big minutes and nice opportunity again for a third game in a row, or does that shift a little bit? Would also love an injury update on Otto Porter anytime since he was finally starting to look a little bit better. Jerk messing with me now. 
Uh, will Indiana get any of their guys back on Saturday? The Bucks keeping track of George Hill, Wesley Matthews, stuff like that. Uh, Charlotte, we, again, we're not hugely interested in them. For the Knicks, yeah, just a mess. Nice to see Mitchell Robinson back, though. That was good. And uh, he and Marcus Morris are, are probably your Knicks that you can use. I, I guess R.J. Barrett. I mean, that's, that's a depressing team. Houston at Minnesota. That's a back-to-back for both of those. Pelicans are in Miami. Obviously, we're constantly watching all of the timeshares in Miami. Who's going to actually get enough touches to be successful? And for the Pelicans, as they get bodies back, who gets impacted? I've got to think that Redick is the first one to get impacted by the return of people. You know, aside from guys like Frank Jackson. Yes, of course. Um but it was nice to see Drew Holiday wake up in their last one against the Clippers. And I'm going to keep rolling out my guys as long as the situation warrants it. I think Derek Favors, he's obviously got to be out there because they're just, he's better than Julio Okafor. He's better than Jackson Hayes. So they're playing him now that he looks healthy. And uh, for Redick, if we find out, say, that, that Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram are both back, I might bench Redick just to be safe. But. If only one of those guys comes back, I might let him let it ride, see what happens. They're working on getting him better looks, and certainly Derek Favors' screens have actually been a big reason why. They play together pretty well. Somebody to to free him. Toronto at Dallas. Certainly more interested in the Toronto side, but obviously you wonder what's going on with Dallas and Delon Wright and Maxi Kleba, and you know, Dwight Powell seems fine, like he's going to get big minutes. For Toronto... Uh, Boucher, Ronde Hollis, Jefferson, Norman Powell, all that stuff. All of these fill-in names. Can anyone get consistently above the line where I want to have you in my lineup all the time? Portland, do we see Mello on Saturday? I'd be surprised, actually, if he got there and got going that fast, but I guess you never know. That would be fun to see. If we hear that he's playing, you got to watch that game, right? Could he possibly play more than, like, 15 minutes in his debut? I doubt it. Spurs, same thing as always. Hawks, ah, whatever. Bech. And then the Clippers. That'll probably be the Paul George-Kawhi Leonard combo game for the first time. Pretty cool. Sunday, uh, Cavaliers play. We, they, don't, uh, they don't go Friday or Saturday, so we'll, we'll keep one eye on them. Not a, nothing huge going on there. Uh, Boston-Sacramento, Washington-Orlando, Denver-Memphis, Golden State-New Orleans, Atlanta-Lakers. I guess Denver's the only other one out there, but uh, they're not much of a storyline. And so that's what we're looking for over the weekend. And then when we get to Monday, we can just sort of loop back around and figure out what we saw. If anything went the way we expected, if anything went a different direction, this will just keep us on top of everything. Please rate and review the podcast, everybody. It really means the world to me when you do it. Those five-star reviews, they power the engine and they make me smile. Uh, If you want to write something also, that's cool, but you don't have to um, open up the podcast app on your mobile device. Search for Fantasy NBA today. Click on the show title and scroll to the bottom. It's just that fast. They've made it a little bit less complicated now that we know where it is. Uh, Drop that review on the show and and I'll love you forever. Simple as that. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Sign up for the Brews Letter at hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Hit me up if you want to be a contributor. And if not, just enjoy Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we'll be back at you. Reverse chronological lightning round first thing Monday morning. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.